Yes, it is an inconvenience. Yes, it's an interruption to our regular life. Right. But that's intentional. Exactly. I really, I really believe that God put these appointed times throughout the year to stop and turn our eyes back to Him. The first Passover was, and if your family is too small for one lamb, you bring in another family. You bring in the widow. You bring in the orphan that can't afford a lamb. His redemptive blood was for everyone. Have those laws just passed away? Is it even relevant anymore? Have they been passed over? Ah! <laughs> You're listening to Pod for Israel. For more information, go to oneforisrael.org. I want to welcome you to another episode of Pod for Israel. And I have a very special guest, my favorite guest of all time, my beautiful wife. The and wife of the potty. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so basically, we're going to be discussing uh, Passover <laughs> and, and, and w- what it means to celebrate Passover as a family and why. And part of it, I think, that's really uh, interesting is actually to get your perspective of what got you personally interested in digging into these Jewish festivals. I mean, what was the, what, what, what's the genesis of all that story? Well, first of all, I got to say, it's really fun to be here today. And I hope you guys have fun, too, because we're going to have fun talking about this. When uh, I first started down this journey, I was kind of in a mode of rebellion. And honestly, I told my parents, there is no God. I want nothing to do with God. And my mom rightfully kind of freaked out. Uh, What are they going to do with this daughter of theirs? And so she did the only thing she could do is pray and take me back to the word. And she really gave me an overview of all the religions of the world and then really pushed the Jewish roots of our faith. And I think God opened up a lot of doors in that story, in that time period, for me to really understand the foundation of faith was not this 2,000-year-old start with the birth and death of Christ uh, religion, but it started from creation. And that really hit me as a young person that it wasn't this new religion. God loved us so much and he loved all the world and all humanity from the very beginning of time to write his son into the story and his redemptive purposes into the story of all creation, especially through these biblical feasts. Right. So basically your, your view when it opened up to the scriptures, you saw that it was from beginning to today, from the very Genesis to now, that there's a thread throughout the Bible yeah. of Christ. It's one book. Like, yeah. that shouldn't be a surprise. But so to Yeshua me, as a young from person, the start it was. To, from, from the start to the end, it was, it was Yeshua the whole time. Yeah. Everything that is written in this book, in the Bible, points to him and right. shows us a little bit more about God's character and his desire to redeem his creation. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And so, you know, as we think about, you know, why why should we even look at these things? Aren't these old feasts that, you know, had to revolve around the temple sacrifice? So what is that? How is that even relevant? Have, have those have those laws just passed away? Is it even relevant anymore? Have they been passed over? Ah, <laughs> you are the life of the potty. Oh, the podcast. Uh, okay. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> basically, uh, we, let's look at what 
God doesn't want out of these festivals. And I think that if you want to see God's heart for these seasons, God's heart for these feasts, uh, what he hates and what he loves, you need to turn to Malachi. God never desired ritual for the sake of. He hated it. He talked about it as dung. He'll spread, you know, feces over over these feasts. I mean, that's that's a very visceral description yeah. of his uh, disdain for just checking it off the box. Um, I think this was also Solomon's downfall too. Right. You know, he builds this temple. He pours his whole life and and wealth into it for seven years and then there's this short little thing of and he set up the ordinances to to follow all the new moons and the festivals and then he goes off into building his house and and all these uh, homes for his foreign wives and you see that he started strong it was relationship but then it got into checking off the box okay i did it i built the temple i did it for you god and he really it's a tragic story because he ends his life so poorly right and distracted and you know he was still doing all the he all was the still motions. doing it and that's what malachi but then he was is also talking building about. a temple for his uh for the daughter of pharaoh you know what i mean there's and his a other lot, 700 yeah there's a lot of compromise and that's the thing god god hates that he's not looking for rituals you know um he's not looking for us just to chant the you know and do the whole thing exactly according to the cantor's voice that's kind of what judaism has become today in a lot of circles and and i gotta say you know in our rounds in messianic judaism uh we see kind of the same thing sometimes people following into the ritual and forgetting the relationship they mm-hmm. fall the into they do the what and not the why yeah all the prescription type based things instead of getting the why um but this the second thing is i think if i look around at our neighbors and i look around at a lot of you know kind of the typical uh shtick on passover is it's a drudgery oh man the matzah oh i hate passover i want I want regular fluffy challah bread again. You know, it's this whole complaining and drudgery of it. It's an annoyance. It's an inconvenience. But that's really the beauty of it. Right. Like if, if we see it as just an annoyance and an inconvenience, then yeah, we're not going to get anything out of it. So again, looking at Malachi 1.7, he also deals with that where the priests, even though they're given, you know, this these choice cuts of meat and so forth, they're like, ah, oh, the offerings of the Lord, they're contemptible. I don't and when we lose our heart in the ministry when we lose the why it's easy to begrudge these things it's easy to make it just a ritual that you do and i would say even beyond just these festivals i mean how about uh you know congregational life are you just coming and it's just a drudgery. I, I know I found myself in the middle of that sometimes. And uh, I, I guess especially in, in this time of Zoom church, it was really like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of a dr- <laughs> it's hard to maintain the the heart uh, sometimes when you're on Zoom. Right. But anyways, uh, thank it's a little God less exciting. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the thing is, the heart of God was to teach us the story, the narrative of his salvation pointing ultimately 
all of this, all prophecy, all scripture points to Yeshua, mm-hmm. points back to God again. But I think it's it's important to also say the why. Yes, it is an inconvenience. Yes, it's an interruption to our regular life. Right. But that's intentional. Exactly. I really, I really believe that God put these appointed times throughout the year so that it would force us to get out of our regular little rat race, our little hamster wheel True. that we're running, 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 running for our own self yeah. and and essential things. I mean, yes, we need to work. We need to cultivate the land. We need to harvest. We need to earn money. We need to be able to put food on the table. Those are all important things. God's not minimizing those. But he wanted to be intentional to break up our regular routine to stop and turn our eyes back to him, to lift our heads back to him and draw us back into relationship with him. And this was a, a point of of really bringing us into a hug, <laughs> an right. inconvenient hug, but a hug nonetheless. <laughs> an inconvenient hug. That's <laughs> um, <nice. laughs> yeah, well, it never is convenient. I mean, just think about, just even think about the parables that Yeshua spoke about how, Everyone had an excuse of why they couldn't come to the wedding festival. Some were more legitimate than others, but there's never a perfect time. And I just think of many times where I've had a Bible study and I'm like, this is the last thing I want to do is get online right now and study through this. And uh, I'm busy on that and I'm just too, too stressed with this. And well, no, it's like when I stopped and found that inconvenient hug. <laughs> it was a blessing. It reset me. It was what I needed, exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. So these festivals, that's kind of brings you to a big point. Uh, it makes you stop. It makes you shut things down. I mean, in some cases, things shut down. I mean, yeah. one festival. just stop. <laughs> you know, technically, one of the festivals that happens every week is Shabbat. And here, everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. And that can sometimes be a bit stressful especially when you're racing the <laughs> clock trying to get to max stock and get the things you need to uh, for a kid's party or something you know that's a bit stressful um but but here's the thing it's about life change mm-hmm. and it's about teaching your children and teaching well us we need to refocus we need to realign as mm-hmm. well yeah. but if you look at the festivals you see god's incredibly intricate plan to help us train up our children with the story of salvation. Mm-hmm. And the thing about all of these, they're incredibly interactive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, first of all, you think about God's heart in it. It, 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 was, it wasn't just an individual act of worship. This wasn't just a solo show for you to come up and just do your shtick, do your thing. This was something that you brought the community. You would find the widow and orphan say, come with us. We're going to this big party. It's going to be a big, crazy, awesome well, even the first worship barbecue Passover, session. The first Passover was, and if your family is too small for one lamb, right. you bring in another family. You right. bring in the widow. You bring in the orphan that can't afford a lamb. And you share your lamb. And you make sure that the provision of that Passover lamb is eaten and consumed in that first night. Right. That was originally like God wanted it to be community and looking out for one another that his redemptive blood was for everyone. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so, you know, I'd say bring in the Levite, bring in the orphan, bring in the widow, 
bring the people that don't have into your family. Bring them with you to celebrate God together. Bless them with your substance. Give. Be generous. This is a time of generosity, a time, you know, uh, both the fall and spring feast are both really surrounded with that same theme. The abundance of, of harvest and, and community exactly. and celebration. And this is a key point is celebration. Hmm. We talked about how it's an inconvenience and, oh, it's the bread of affliction. I want my fluffy challah. Um, matzah tastes like cardboard and anything smeared with the chocolate is going to taste good. Okay. So, you know, we, we have our ways of celebrating and bringing joy. But just last night we were going through, uh, our bedtime thankfuls and our little girl, she comes up and she's like, my thankful is Passover's in three days. I can't wait. We get to eat matzah and we get to, we don't get to eat cereal for a whole week. Guys, it's in three days. It's so exciting. And just that anticipation of her little yeah. zeal it, that we've been able to nurture, that she's looking forward to this experience for her to tangibly experience God with all of her senses and yeah. to see the matzah cracker pierced and bruised, striped, hidden right. and brought back. I mean, there's so many levels of just illustration that just come alive to a child's imagination. And we're supposed to be like children. Our imaginations are supposed to be kindled and reawakened. Right. Um, because our God is a God that overlooks no small detail. Mm-hmm. And Amen. he delights in our delight of him. Amen. We have some downloadables for you guys. We have a PDF that that really will help you just go through the whole Seder process and, and everything, even with the recipes and stuff like that. It, and again, it's just these things. It's amazing because as we look through history, there's a big debate on Okay, which part of these of the Seder was rabbinic tradition that happened post temple, and which part of the Seder was was a part of of Yeshua and the disciples, the upper room communion, Last the Last Supper as we know it. That was actually a Passover Seder. They were actually having the Passover meal together, mm-hmm. um, and in my belief that that cup that he lifted up was the cup of redemption, and there was a clear connection of he said, "I'm not going to drink again from the cup until." I and with you in heaven, you know, mm-hmm. basically when my kingdom has come, you know, like he couldn't come to the cup of completion because he still hadn't been sacrificed yet. Mm-hmm. And so he intentionally made that statement. And if you look at it in the light of what, you know, some again, some debate, oh, this, was this post temple rabbinic or was it? I say whether or whether it wasn't, it's amazingly. It points beautiful because it all points to him and um we have tons of different podcasts on the subject if you guys kind of look through the archives on you know even with the reformations of rabbinic judaism what's happened what, how it's evolved uh for better or worse and in, in, in different ways you see it really still points to him even even as the people who've rebelled against him and they rejected him it, it still ends up giving glory back to him which is, which is, I say it's amazing either way, whether it was pre or post temple, it's like, it's awesome. But anyway, so this, uh, we have the PDF download so you guys can actually have the Seder with your family. But here's the thing, you know, what we did is we had some influence from some other friends and, you know, we got to go to a few Seders and we picked up a few things, but you know, 
the thing is, is like you create these traditions with your, with your family. You're creating these traditions with your family. You're sharing the, the story your own way. You kind of, in fact, all the different Orthodox and Jewish families I know, they have little things they add in as well. There's kind of their own little Haggadah of sorts, their own Seder, which is the order of service, you know, for the night, because it's personal. But it all revolves around the central story of salvation, again, from from the Exodus, but also as we see it in the New Covenant, we see Yeshua, our Passover lamb through that. We see the redemption to come as, as, as we tell the story of the children coming out of Egypt. We also see the story of the kingdom of heaven coming uh, as well as, you know, I, I hope you guys tuned into the Passover and Apocalypse uh, episode that was... Uh, I hope that was eye-opening for you guys to see. You know, Passover wasn't just about what happened in the past, but it, even even Passover points to the future to come as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is all about training your family, mm-hmm. telling that story. Something that you said was to make it personal. Um, and two points on that. One is, okay, you have the Haggadah, you have these, um, I guess, formulas of how a Seder should look. But really, if you go to a secular Seder on, uh, in Israel, any given home, right. more than likely they're going to just have like one friend has the Haggadah on the plate. And that's about as uh, rabbinical <laughs> as it gets. And then right. they hide the matzah, but there's three for each of the kids. And, yeah. and so it's really a flexible thing. And they're not a religious family. And so they they don't understand the heart of Yeshua in it. But all that to say that it's not a legalistic, oh, I have to get every detail oh, right. 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 It's about what is this teaching us about the heart of God and his heart for redemption. And secondly, when it's a personal story, the whole idea of Passover is that we associate with the children of Israel. We don't say, oh, God brought them oh, out of Egypt. Yeah, that's right. But God brought us mm. out of Egypt. And our Egypt is not only being uh, grafted into that promise and covenant of redemption that God gave to the children of Israel, right. but also that we have been brought out of the bondage of sin. We right. have been brought out of the shame of our past, of our mistakes, our poor choices, of our rebellion. Mm-hmm. And he has covered us with his blood. That's with, right. with the Passover lamb, Yeshua. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so when it comes down to it, I just want to encourage you families like, you know, again, it's not about the legalism. It's not about the liturgy. You know, it's not a liturgical practice here. There's some, you know, stuff, some liturgy you might want to insert into there. I'm not, some families are really big into it and they really want to do it all. And they want to sing Diana just right. And they want to do all those things and Hey, go for it, go for it. But at the same time, wow, don't feel that overwhelming pressure to perform because that's not God's heart. That's not his heart at all. Um, and uh, what, what, what it's really about is, is, is just doing it, taking the time to, to try and I, you know, I, I think that that's, that's what was amazing for us. You know, when we started with our family is how it's evolved, you know, and how we, how we've been able to bring other families along in the same thing. And it's such a joy. It's so fun. 
I mean, every year there's something new that pops out for us. There's something new that God brings up. Practically, I would say for families, like give it a shot. You know, if you can't find a matzotosh, well, just fold a napkin and make a three-pocketed, you know, paper towels thing. Four paper towels work great and stick a matzah in between. Yeah. And I mean, every year we do an illustration with the kids where we... It's basically a simple dough recipe of just flour, water, salt. One has yeast, one doesn't. See what happens. Right. How the yeast puffs up and how God is so zealous for us to rid our hearts of sin and how even just a little bit of yeast can contaminate the whole batch, right? That's what Yeshua taught. Um, and just having that visual uh, illustration to the kids. Yeah. They love it. And then having them pierce and bruise the unleavened bread, having them fry it in the frying pan and watch them uh, as it, it darkens, and but it, but it doesn't puff up. Um, it's a visual illustration of what sin does in their hearts. For kids, for us, it's a beautiful illustration. That's just one aspect of coming into Passover that you can take your kids along on this journey. And yes, it's work. And yes, it's a mess in the kitchen. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It can be a little bit stressful, but the memories that they make and they carry through, the kids still talk about it all the time. We also do this whole journey through Exodus. Um, where we take them through the story and we move their bodies through our house, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And we set up little pictures and it can be as simple or as elaborate as you want. You don't have to go crazy on Pinterest. But, um, (laughs) you know, taking them through the scriptures and showing them this is the story in the Bible. And starting from the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 and then bringing them that God had foretold of the slavery in Egypt, but that he would bring the children of Israel. And I think that's really applicable even in this time period right now where wow. did did God, was God taken by surprise by the slavery of Israel? No. Was God taken by surprise by our suffering here today? No. But right. he has made a covenant of bringing us out for his glory. And I think that's really important that as we look at this story of Passover Everything is to point back to his glory. And yes, there was suffering and nobody wants to go through that. The children of Israel did not want to go through that. But until they turn their hearts to call out to God for help and deliverance, then God was able to reach into their story glorified in it. That's beautiful. Here's here's kind of one of the main points there. You just mentioned a lot of tactile things. You mentioned a lot of very... Five senses, Stuff seven you get senses. messy with, you know, messy, and, and that's you the move. The, the Passover Seder, even even your nice ones that are all set up and stuff. If you have kids, it's going to get messy by the end of it. The the you know Haroset's going to get everywhere, you know. But the thing is, is why? If you look through scriptures, you see that God taught from a tactile sense. He didn't. In our Western world, we have very much the Greek mindset. Okay, well. Let's do a podcast about that, and you just tell me everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. And how much are you going to remember after that? None of it. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, or, or even if I remember it, I never experienced it, so it doesn't really sink in. Mm-hmm. You know, but God's ways 
especially just think about teaching children. Whoever's in child education will know very clearly that the crafts stick with the kids. Mm-hmm. Where your lectures don't, <laughs> don't at all. Whoever's a parent will know that your lectures do nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, and so God knows that. God is the best teacher, obviously. He's the best father. He's a good, good father. And, you know, all these things are about him being a good dad, taking you taking you out of your thing and, and giving you giving this you fun experience. experience. Exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> and so, he comes along with us on that. Amen. And so, you know, I know there's a uh, some good friends of mine in, in the church. that They're doing uh, cardboard cutouts for the Seder plate. And I mean, that's super awesome. What a creative idea. You know, they're, they're creating little packets for their people. But, you know, make, if you can't find matzah in your place, Make the matzah, which is, that's a beautiful Super illustration. Easy. Just flour and water and a little salt. Because you're able to out. talk about, you know, why did God say no leaven? What What's the whole thing about leaven? What does leaven do? I mean, so many illustrations in the New Testament about leaven. A little leaven. Leaven's a whole lump, you know. So this is incredibly powerful material to take through with your family. But guys, I have to say. For all the parents out there, let me just encourage you guys, take action in your children's lives. Don't expect your church to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Don't look to your children's ministry. I mean, I love good children's ministry. We, We volunteer in our congregation a lot, but... It's their not their job. Doesn't stop with the children's ministry. It's your job. It's in the home. Your job, especially with these festivals, we see it wasn't that you were to take your children to the Levite. And now the Levite, therefore, will show your children thy way. No, that's not in scripture at all. Is the family would go. It was the job of the Abba, the father of the house would 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 teach these things. The mother would teach these things. It was that the family would cultivate this. That's what God's heart was. And if you look again at that scripture, the beautiful scripture, God will turn the hearts of the children of the fathers and the fathers to the children. There's a blessing that comes when we take action in that story. We cannot be passive, especially, especially in these days that we're in right now. Don't let someone else do the job that God has called you to do. Don't say, I'm not good enough of a teacher. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know all the stuff. Uh, I need someone, somebody, you know, I can't do it. Don't be cowardice in your rearing up of your children. Be bold. Take risks. Be willing to make messes. And uh, I really pray you guys uh, are able to enter into this season with meaning, with heart. For those of you who have children in your home that you're able to bring them in along with that and and bring them in on the journey you know let them be a part of preparing things for better or for for messy or worse you know um because it's gonna it's gonna cultivate uh that deep learning that god actually wants out of us the deep discipleship that god desires and so uh just want to pray for you guys uh and uh lord i just ask that you would really just move on the hearts of of your people this Passover season. Again, as we're in the middle of this uh, Passover campaign, evangelism campaign here in Israel, I just, uh, we all pray together, Lord, that you would bring a great harvest in this Passover season here in Israel, but also as we've 
release it as well in English. We, we pray for our brothers and sisters in, in America and around the world. You'd open up our eyes, Lord, to see your salvation, that we would uh, be able to reflect on your goodness, your kindness, and your love. And Father God, I just ask for the families, Lord, that you would you would help for them to find their own traditions in these festivals that can really build rich meaning and rich education, that the hearts of the children would be turned to the fathers and the fathers to the children. Lord, I just ask that you would bring families together in the season of Passover and help for us to really get your heart and your mind in this Passover season. Pray your blessing in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.